Ladies and gentlemen, this picture contains scenes which under no circumstance should be viewed by anyone with a heart condition or anyone who is easily upset. Hey, welcome back to Caustic Content, the podcast where two lifelong friends torture each other by trying to find the absolute worst movie streaming on the internet. Uh, I'm Steve, and joining me as always, I've got Adam Myros. Hello, Steve. And our third-party voice of reason, casting the deciding vote on what the worst movie is, uh, Mr. Stephen Coleman. How are you, sir? Um, I'm great. Uh, a little nervous. I have a tall task ahead of me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a real, real close battle this week. <laughs> So uh, yeah, two two classic films. Really, it's it's hard to say. It's almost like which movie's better. They're both they're both just wonderful, kind of stuff you want to sit down and watch with your whole family. All right, well, Maros, if we have new listeners, why don't you give them a rundown of our rules? I will, and we can introduce our our newest uh, conceit team. Uh, our, our base rules are: we're only allowed to use what a streaming service provides us when we select these films. If we get a trailer. Uh, boy, that's helpful. Uh, sometimes you take a plunge without a trailer because they don't provide one. I think Steve did that this week, and it didn't work out for him. Uh, we try to stay away from found footage. It's just too samey, so uh, no found footage. Get it away from here. Uh, we also have what we call the Godfrey Ho Clause, which is to say one film per director. Again, we try and keep uh, a good variety going for you guys. And these also can't be anything either of us have previously seen. Uh, we want to come in fresh, uh, bring the hot takes, and uh, yeah, that's about it. We have we had a soft band against Georgia, but I, I got to say, I'm I'm taking that right off the list because some other states have proven to be substantially worse than old Georgia. Yeah, the Midwest is is really hurting us right now. I feel like our our own home states are actively plotting against us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my kingdom, Fred. Uh, Georgia film credit, fucking cheapo film right about now. <laughs> no, that's that's all I need. That's all I need in my life. All right, boys. Well, I guess we should get right into this. And I, I don't know if it's going to be much of a competition this week or just kind of a bloodbath. Although I will say that both movies are fucking terrible. There's just one very special film on our list this week. Uh, so, uh, Myros, let's start off with my movie. We can do well, that. I think before yeah. we jump in, we should probably talk about the uh, the scores and uh, our plans for for what we're going to do this week. Yeah, that's true. Because we're at what, what's what are we at now? Eight eight? Is that right? Or? No, it is. You are leading nine to eight as of this week. Nine to eight. Okay. So what's and, the plan uh, here? What are we doing? Uh, yeah. So our our we're actually going to look into doing this particular format in seasons. Uh, so based on the scores, when we went ahead and compiled them. Uh, we decided we're going to format this as a, a sort of race to 10. So mm-hmm. uh, whoever hits 10 first, uh, that's going to end a given season of cost of content. We'll probably take a little longer break than our, our bi-weekly. We'll probably kick uh, an off week or something like that, take a month between episodes and uh, start a new season, a clean slate, and go from there. So, you know, the seasons could be... Uh, they should feasibly not be longer than 20 episodes going forward because we we have eliminated the possibility of the tie, but uh, <laughs> at least, uh, you know, you never know how long it'll be. Could be 10 episodes, could be uh, 15, could be 20. Maybe Coleman is so sick of doing this show, he'll just vote for me this week and end the whole thing. What do you think about that? 
I don't know if I could do that in good conscience. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this week is. I don't think this is the week for <laughs> giving away the finish here, man. <laughs> I do feel bad that it has played out this way because now Coleman's going to have to sit through an episode where we're both bound and determined to win a season with the worst possible thing. So uh, yeah. Could get it's real gonna get horrible. I'm terrified. Yeah. I'm absolutely terrified. I'm just going to spend like three straight weeks or something just, just memorizing stuff for next or, or finding stuff for next season. And I'm just going to totally destroy you for the next season, Coleman, just so you know. Uh, and then, of course, I'm going to have to go out strong. So I'm going to have to look at the things that I've picked already, maybe dig into the archives a little bit, find something super special. But, uh, yeah, just plan for a future full of hurt, Mr. Coleman. All right. <laughs> I'm ready, I think. You sound really ready. I, Sounds great. This took a lot out of me. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Well, uh, let's talk about a fun-filled family flick. It's... Shrek, but stupid, and there's real people in it. Uh, I chose Fungus the Bogeyman. Uh, Coleman, what's Fungus the Bogeyman? You know, it's uh, interesting. I had no idea going into it what it was. I thought it was just assumed it was like some sort of Shrek ripoff. But then the live action kicks in, and then the credits start rolling. And it's, a, it's actually based on a cartoon book by Raymond Briggs, who is probably best known for... Um, there's like that children's book about the snowman. There's there's no words, but I don't even know if I ever read it. But I just remember it being like a fixture of like bookshelves and like kindergarten classrooms when I was a kid. Um, and he also wrote uh, the cartoon book When the Wind Blows, which was also adapted into an animated film that's incredibly depressing. It's about nuclear war and about this old couple that is about to die, but they're accepting the fact that they're going to die. So he's a pretty well-known illustrator, graphic novelist in the UK, um, and this is the very late adaptation to a book he wrote in the 70s. And, yeah. you know, it's okay. Um, <laughs> and it was originally, a, I guess, like a miniseries when it aired on like ITV in the UK, and it's, it's award-winning, and it has Doc Martin, Martin Clunes. Mm. I wouldn't call it okay, and the fact that it won awards <laughs> is deeply upsetting. I thought it was boring as shit. Like, I get that it's it's a kid's movie. It's not for me. I'm yeah. not the audience. But, God, it dragged. And it, it honestly, it feels like a, like a British soap opera. Like, I'm watching an episode of EastEnders starring Shrek, especially in the beginning <laughs> when he's just going home, and it's just like... <laughs> Oh, yes, oh, little, little fart anus, he got, he got 100% on his exams, he did. Oh, how did uh, Stinky Bottom do? Not so good, in my estimation. You better have a talk with your son there. <laughs> That's, like, it's almost surprising that this was uh, episodic, because that opening episode must have cratered their fucking rankings, because I didn't hate this thing, but the first, like, Half hour of it, I was like, oh, my God, I can't even deal with how boring this yeah. fucking is. But you, you kind of get into it after a while. It's not, like, amazing, but it, it's it's got pretty standard kids' fare. It's just it's a barrier to entry because of the way it looks. Oh, it looks like shit. Absolute shit. It is. It starts off very, very slowly. So, yeah, again, I, I questioned the, the methodology of... of the pacing if this was a tv program because after watching the first episode i don't think i'd tune in for the second 10 compared to the no. other cgi stuff you've had me watch so far this is not that bad 
I mean, for 2004, it like at least it's consistent. Yeah, it's it's actually not the worst animated thing I've ever seen. It's just very strange. Like they, there's some particular method they're using, which apparently involved the uh, overlaying the CG models on the actual actors. Uh, and it looks bizarre. Like the movement, it, it looks very mm. unnatural. But it's it, it isn't the worst animation. It's just I think they this idea they were trying to employ with the effects was not entirely successful. Probably no. a reason they don't really utilize it these days. The color palette is awful too, and I and I get that. So the whole idea is humans live above ground, and. The, the bogey men live below ground, so in bogey land, it's all, you know, like green and stinky and wet and dark, but it, it looks like absolute ass. It just looks like a, a muddy Xbox game, and uh, yeah, very, very difficult to look at, uh, and I, you know, you can, you can give it a little bit of a pass because this was 15 years ago or whatever when it was made, but at the same time, there's plenty of movies that you can pull from that era, era, like animated films, that look infinitely better. You could go back 10 years and find animated films that look better. Uh, and this isn't super-duper low budget. I mean, BBC was, was flipping the bill here, so... Well, I mean, everything BBC is, like, low budget compared to fucking American production. Sure, like, sure. But it's not, look it's at not Doctor as low Who. as it could That's be. like their biggest thing in Doctor Who, but it looks like complete ass. But I think this is ITV, so that might be a little bit more down market from BBC. That's true. But again, compared to some of the things that we've watched, this looks like shit. And I just, I don't know. It, it seems like an odd choice to adapt it in this way, because even the live action stuff doesn't look great. Like in the opening when the bogeyman is like breaking into the person's house to scare him or whatever, it's just a guy in rubber gloves. <laughs> you can like yeah. clearly see that he's wearing rubber gloves. They make no effort to hide that. And uh, yeah, also, Myros, is Fungus the bogeyman a giallo? Uh, could be. It's got that. Uh, I don't know. The color of the gloves really throws it for me. Yeah, the green instead of black. That's the correct answer. It does have the first person uh, bogey cam, though. So. See, I, I, I question what you're saying here, Cuff. You, you just said this, this looks like shit compared to some of the things we've seen, and I, I must assume you're not referring to cost of content. Because what are these mythical things that do not look like shit? I, I, well, no, everything looks like shit. That's that's a fair point. I don't know how many have we done other animated movies. My brain is completely melted. I don't even know if we've done other animated stuff. We've done stuff with bad CGI before, but yeah, uh, yeah, we did that. Uh, we did that weird fucking green sky thing a couple episodes ago. Oh yeah, yep, the yep, misty yep. green sky and the uh, the omnipotence of dreams. That was a good one. Yeah, that was more akin to this with a mixture of of live action and animation. Uh, I yeah, the same with the amazing bulk. Yeah, yeah, that was another one. We we love mixing our uh, our live action with our animation. We're just big Roger Rabbit heads over here, and uh, we're looking for the next big hit. And let me say, this is the most effective, uh, traditionally effective <laughs> integration of the two forms. This is the best we've got. <laughs> really good yeah. stuff. Congratulations, Fungus the Bogeyman. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, not, really not a lot to say about this. It is a pretty bog-standard kids' movie, so uh, the bogeymen live below ground. They come up to scare the humans. 
they can't get caught. And uh, uh, the titular fungus has a son named like Fart Anus or whatever. And what is the kid's name? Vomit. What what is it? What is it? Something stinky mucus? wretch. Mucus. Sure, that's great. Anyways, uh, his kid is rebelling, and he's and his child likes to do stuff like clean, and he gets accused of wearing deodorant around the home, which is very unbogey like. And uh, yeah, and and then they they get caught by some humans up on the surface. It's a whole thing. And uh, then one of the humans is just captured and taken to bogey town. And we all learn a lesson in the end, I guess. And it's don't, don't commit genocide to the bogey people by writing uh, journalistic hit pieces about the, the bogey conspiracy. <laughs> right? It's got that... one of those classic fucking shoot in environmental <laughs> messages. Like it's like, what, what? Yeah. What does this have to do with the environment? It's about fucking weird people who bathe in shit and live underground. And it's like, yeah, this has nothing to do. And especially because the, the girl, the human girl's little monologue at the end, she's like, Dad, you can't expose the bogey people. They care about the trees. They think we're the disgusting ones because we <laughs> put smog everywhere. And then it's just like, hey, you little trollop, look at how they're living. They live in, in absolute <laughs> filth. There's just disgusting methane gas floating around everywhere. It is the bogey land is not they're not living in tree stumps. This is a very like post-industrial nation. Okay. Like there's infrastructure here. There I, I didn't see a single fucking tree in Bogeyville, did you? No, no. I and I don't recall uh, like a great deal of dialogue between the, the bogeys about to, you know, preserving nature or anything of that effect either. I mean, it just was very much at the end. They're like also, they're environmentalists, and humans are worse than them. Like, okay. Yeah, Where's my ass. That's from? why every time a human goes down there, they leave looking like they just fell in an Exxon oil spill. They have to get some fucking Dawn hand soap, like on the commercials with the ducks. Wipe them down. Bogeyville is a disgusting, polluted swamp, and I'm going to stick by that. Seems accurate to me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's there's really not a lot going on here. I took a gamble. And that gamble was, I didn't see a trailer, but it looked like shit, uh, just based on the cover. Yeah, fake Shrek is a solid gamble, right? I mean, you're, yeah. you're, Shrek already fucking sucks. If you're going for a Shrek knockoff, then it, you would think it could it could really plumb some depths. But uh, I don't know. This isn't really a, a Shrek knockoff, I guess. I mean, it, it sort of is. I'm sure this would not have been produced were it not for the success of Shrek, but... Uh, this uh the the book predates the book that Shrek is based on and uh, mm -hmm. in fact many fans of, of the piece of literature uh have in fact uh, levied charges against Shrek as, as plagiarizing this particular work but we'll <laughs> leave that where it uh, belongs, there's no donkey a, and fungus the bogeyman so donkey. checkmate this is very true <laughs> i they're both unique in, in their Shittiness. There's not, not a lot of overlap, I think, other than the design of the uh, bogeys slash ogres. Uh, the tone is, is certainly very different here. And maybe that's not the case with the respective uh, children's books, but probably it is. Yeah. Who knows? People just like know. to fucking bitch online. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Well, I did not really enjoy Fungus the Bogeyman. I don't think anybody really did. Uh, but one no, thing that we like fine. to do 
It, what's that? It was it was fine. It was fine. You ever yeah. want to watch it again? <laughs> no, it's like one of those things that if it was airing in the middle of the day on the Disney Channel and your niece was watching it, you'd just be like, oh, who gives a shit? Like you wouldn't yeah. be angry. It would just be in, in a podcast full of one star films. This is a real glowing success. But yeah. Anyways, always try to look for alternatives. Uh, you know, al- alternative viewpoints. And really, there's not a ton of super glowing stuff. It won some. Uh, it won some awards, obviously, and most people were like, "I enjoyed this as a child." But I was actually interested in some of the super negative reviews, because as you said, this movie's shit, but it's not like shit, shit. So I found a review that I really enjoyed, and it's it's not positive, but I feel like it's positive in a way, almost therapeutic for the person who wrote it. So, if I may. In year five, my teacher used to put this film on literally every day. Like, every day. Finished a lesson early? Fungus the bogeyman time. Rain outside? Fungus the bogeyman time. (laughs) End of term treat? Fungus the bogeyman time! Anyway, one time upon, like, viewing number 563, I snapped and whispered at the back of the class, Fuckus the bugger man. And this kid heard and said he was going to tell me off, and I cried. And anyway, long story short, he ended up going to one of the top boarding schools in the country, and I ended up venting about this childhood trauma 12 years on instead of gaining such a stellar education. Anyway, this film doesn't deserve rights, and me and him still go to the pub together sometimes. (laughs) Beautiful. It's beautiful stuff. Uh, So thank you, more of Babylon on Letterboxd, for that, that beautiful moving um, review, I guess. <laughs> but I, I, I feel for him because I got the American equivalent when I was in uh, when I was in high school. They would always show Shrek constantly. My high school owned two films. They owned Remember the Titans. And they owned Shrek. And anytime there was like a substitute teacher or something was going on, you just wheel in the cart and you would either play Shrek or you play Remember the Titans. Only two fucking movies that existed. So I think you had it worse, frankly. This is like. This is background noise. Shrek is abrasive shit, man. I I couldn't deal with watching that regularly. When was the last time you watched Shrek? Uh, it's been a decade, and thank God for that. But it's it fucking sucks. Fuck Shrek. When was the last time you watched Puss in Boots? I've never seen it. <laughs> I, I saw Shrek 2, and that was the end of the line for the Shrek. <laughs> That's where you draw the line of the sand. I've actually never seen Shrek in its entirety. You're oh. doing all right for yourself. I feel okay. <laughs> Man, we're going to have to have a special Shrek off. You guys know Milwaukee has Shrek Fest. We could, go, we could all go to Shrek Fest together. Oh, God. It sounds like it's some sort of fucking meme bullshit. No, I mean, yes and no. Yes in the sense that it's stupid, but no in the sense that uh, when there's not a global pandemic happening, Milwaukee's favorite thing to do is to have like 10 different festivals going on every single week from <clears throat> like April to October, I'd say. So they every weekend it's something different. But there's a Shrek Fest and there's also a, uh, a Guy Fieri Fest as well, in case you're interested in that, Myros. Uh, so you got a lot of like Smash Mouth in town. This seems like a, a natural crossover between uh, Shrek and <laughs> they, Guy Fieri. They don't come around that often. No. It's a damn shame. A They're damn too shame. busy uh, hosting super spreader events. <laughs> See, I don't think Smash Mouth has been in town since we were supposed to interview him for Optimism Vaccine, and they backed out. <laughs> mm. Assholes. 
I, I see you had to leave uh, Amazon to get your one-star review because it is incredibly well-reviewed on Amazon. And the only one-star review, it just says, I was sent this with Taiwan cover and insert, only with Taiwan and English subtitle. I didn't order this, and I'm really disappointed. <laughs> I like the I didn't order this part. Like, he actually ordered, like, a fucking dustbuster, and they just sent him Fungus <laughs> the Bogeyman with a Thai cover. Oh, they're trying to encourage him not to clean. Yeah. He watches, he's like, oh yeah, cleaning's bad. Sent directly from an actual bogeyman. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, that makes sense. I do like that they call humans dry cleaners. That's kind of amusing. <laughs> That's good. Well, I was confused at first, because, I mean, the movie, it, it lulls you into this kind of sedated state because it's it's so fucking boring, especially at the beginning. And then they're like, hey, we gotta go up into it, and we gotta scare the dry cleaners. And you're like, why are you just going after these poor fucking working class people who are just pressing trousers for the queen or whatever? And no, then I was like, oh, I get it because the the bogey men are and bogey gals and, you know, whatever. They're all uh, they're they're wet and they're stinky. So why the ups the up on the surface people are dry cleaners. That's fun. We like that. <laughs> it's great stuff. Ah. <sighs> All right, well, Fungus the Bogeyman, let's put you in the rear view, and we're going to get to the uh, the fillet of this episode. Where we get a rear view. Oh, oh. do we ever. Ah, another gem from the, like, the borderland of Wisconsin, northern Wisconsin, uh, northwestern Wisconsin, and uh, northeastern Minnesota, which is, uh, you know, Minneapolis, right at the border. Got a lot of great filmmakers. And by great filmmakers, I mean people who regularly just show up in this podcast for some reason. Uh, we watched a little movie called Strip Club Slasher. Thank you, Myros, for this wonderful cultural artifact. What is Strip Club Slasher? Uh, you know, I have my back against the wall, Steve. I had, I had to pull out a W. And after... Uh... I, I blame Coleman for being what? inexplicably uh, charmed by <laughs> Return to Clark County. Oh, come on. It, it drove me insane. I said, I, I got to find something that could not charm any human on Earth ever. And uh, this is where I landed. This this movie is, uh, well, here, I'll read the description because it, it's pretty apt. It says, a seedy small town strip joint takes a down and dirty donkey punch to the back of the head. <sighs> When one of the girls is brutally murdered, uh, fearing that the killer may be targeting the local talent, the authorities shut the place down while they investigate the crime. Sad and scared, the other girls decide to spend the weekend together to reflect on the loss of their friend. So, yes, I, I think that as accurate a description as could exist is that this is, in fact, a down and dirty donkey punch. Mm. Yeah, it, it certainly was. It, it's got the down and dirty part right. Uh, this is kind of a rarity for this podcast because I, I think a lot of people associate low-budget horror with just gore and nudity. And one way that cheap-ass horror movies have evolved is the nudity is really not there, honestly. When you, when you pop in these caustic content quality films, obviously they're getting their friends and locals and, you know, at best community theater actors to act in these productions and they're not gonna, you know, take off their top for a cheese sandwich or whatever they're getting paid for these movies. So we don't see a lot of nudity. 
And Myros, you have brought us a lot of nudity. And <laughs> I'll say not not just topless, but uh, bottomless. And there is a very graphic hardcore sex scene between two women, wherein the camera uh, rotates around their gyrating bodies, and we get kind of like a tight <laughs> zoom on a butthole. So that's that's something I didn't expect to see this morning when I woke up at. 8.30 a.m. to watch Strip Club Slasher with the windows open in my house as people walked by. You know, my house where you could see the TV from the street and the sidewalk. Yeah, this thing's probably got a shelf life on Amazon of about, uh, you know, 12 more hours. I, I was kind of yeah. almost uh, worried that it would be gone by the time I got to watch it if, if you're interested in what we're about to talk about, n now just hit pause and go watch it because this is going to be gone real fucking quick. Yeah. <laughs> but don't. No, um, Jesus, don't. <laughs> it sucks in so many unique ways. It's kind of incredible. It's almost impressive. Like, it's it's a bad slasher movie, okay? Um, uh -huh. Although I do like that the uh, the the Jason Voorhees stand-in here that's doing all the stripper slashing, he is wearing, like, a rubber mask of, like, a fat, bald guy, and then that rubber mask has, a like, a mask over it. It's a double mask mask. Very cool. Um, but it, it fails as a slasher, and then it kind of gets into this weird, like, softcore territory. And then it yeah. veers over into hardcore territory, and then it goes back into slasher. And it's just kind of, it can't decide if it wants to be, like, shot on VHS Cinemax, if it just wants to be porn, or if it really is a slasher film. Uh, and on top of that, we are treated to a nonstop soundtrack of the worst songs imaginable from <laughs> like 15 to 20 years ago. Yeah, Unbelievable inexplicable shit. new metal influence on this film that I guess if you pin it down, it's IMDb release date is listed as 2010. Yeah, this is a fucking mystery. <laughs> Amazon's listed as 2020. Uh, which is certainly inaccurate, but nonetheless, 2010, I don't recall hearing a lot of fucking, like, slipknot knockoffs uh, tooling around town. I, I guess it's just a different world out there in uh, rural Wisconsin. Yeah, I, I don't, there's a lot of, uh, I need to figure out the actual truth about when this was shot. There's no way, 2010 doesn't even make sense, and I get that it was shot like in rural Wisconsin slash rural outside of Minneapolis, Minnesota, but it, it doesn't, it doesn't connect for me. There's something wrong. Well, there is a, there is a <laughs> calendar in that one bar that does say 2009. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it's, it's listed on IMDb and Letterboxd as 2010. Coleman, you brought up the, the calendar says 2009, but it says 2020 on Amazon. I guess I could accept 2009 only because when you get to that part of Wisconsin, everybody's about a decade behind. So I guess that would make sense, right? Probably doesn't look that much different right now. No, probably doesn't at all. Um, and, and this is shot in uh, the beautiful city of Hager City, Wisconsin. Great spot uh, right across from Red Wing. And Red Wing, if you're not familiar with that, let me paint you a picture it's actually beautiful. It's right on the Mississippi. But uh, my experience with the people at Red Wing, not so great. Um, <laughs> I, I I rode the train back from, from Minneapolis to Milwaukee recently. 
and it was me and a bunch of Mennonites and then three yahoos from <laughs> Red Wing. And it was amazing because every time there was a stop between Minneapolis and Red Wing, which there's only like four, and it's not that long of a trip, honestly. It's like an hour and a half or something. It's not that much. But every time there was a stop, they would run out of the train and just fucking hotbox like three cigarettes in five minutes. Just amazing shit. And then run back on. And the one guy was, he was just like pounding beers and then would intermittently just yell choo-choo, <laughs> like a train noise, like just choo-choo. And then I don't know if it, was, if it was his girlfriend or his sister or both, but one of the, the, there was like him and an old guy and then this woman who looks like she, she's just seen some shit. And she was great because she, uh, she just kept getting up and like walking around for no reason and would just constantly just like stand up and like look at shit. It was really fucking weird. But the entire time she did not wear a mask on her face. She just held the mask in her hand, just held it. Like it was a fucking, like a, like a, a like a clutch or something. Just holding onto it. Amazing shit. So shout out to the people of Red Wing. Uh, you're great. Sounds like the you. target audience for uh, Strip Club Slasher. Well, that's the it's thing. It's like I'm there. watching this. I'm like, I know these people. I wouldn't be surprised if, if the, the woman who was just holding the mask, she was probably in the movie at some point. It's just incredible shit. Um, but yeah, so there's a lot of conflicting things going on here. Like on one hand, it's a weird like friendship relationship story about strippers. And then you've got this, this killer who's stalking the stri strippers, although he doesn't do a very good job. Body count is low. Um, and then you have the police trying to find the killer and that guy deserves an Oscar, uh, both in for his monologue where he just screams. Yeah, he's Very gotta, cool. Say he's got his Oscar reel ready to go. Oh, for sure. For sure. Well, you know who this guy is, right? No. Uh, he's Joel D. Wincoop, a uh, very famous B-movie actor. Uh, I mean, famous among the right circles, I guess. Uh, I mean, he's probably never been in a movie with a budget over $5,000, but... He, uh, we would know him best as he used to work with uh, Tim Ritter quite regularly. Oh, okay. He's legit then. Well, sort as legit of. as you I can mean, be. Yeah. He probably has a, a very short line at a booth at a horror convention. So good for him. Uh, yeah. Well, this production company, this movie looks like shit, by the way. It, it looks like it's shot on like VHSC. It, it sounds like ass. It, it does the thing. From last week's movie, what was it called? A uh, uh, two door two county, or what? What was it? What return was the movie to Clark County. You return to Clark County, yeah. So it does the thing where a guy clearly flubs a line, and instead of doing a second take, they just roll with it. So it it, it looks and sounds like shit. Um, but the production company seems to be able to get some actual legit people. There are people in this movie that have like IMDb pages. Um, the movie inexplicably starts with like a 15 minute long series of trailers to pad out the runtime for some reason. Uh, and it includes a trailer for a little movie from 2019 called the demented starring none other than Brett, the Hitman heart <laughs> <laughs> starring. I'm sure he's in it for like fucking two scenes. Yeah, I'm sure he is. Yeah. Uh, he plays the character Brad. So in case you were wondering, but it Same seems to be Brad about some kind of like, <laughs> yeah 
Uh, he, Brad Hart. It, it seems to be like a movie about some like gimp mask snuff filmmaker. This is a, a very uh, popular choice for the northern Wisconsin, uh, Minnesota um, film industry. But <laughs> <laughs> he like abducts women and makes snuff films. And, and Bret Hart seems to be a, a, a snuff film connoisseur of some sort in this trailer. And he's just like, oh, yeah, yeah, your girls are good. Uh, yeah, bring me uh, the most wonderful horrors you have. I love your horse. That's, that's pretty much it. Him on the phone saying that. So... Uh, looking forward to that one, Myros. Hope we can watch The Demented at some point in the future. Uh, maybe we'll have a, a special Demented episode. Um, yeah, I can't even... I I don't even know what the fuck's going on with the way this movie looks. I'll say that. Like, is it shot day for night? Like, I don't yeah. even... Why is it night? There's no fucking reason that it needs to be night. And their day for night is like... Because only party at night. <laughs> the, the day for night is like unbelievably shit like just next level like it, it just all of a sudden you can't fucking see anything anytime yeah. they go outside it's like what the hell's happening you can't and see anything but you can the only thing you can see is the shadow from the sun that is like yeah. being cast across them so it looks you know like what? if you I had like an old 80s black and white television like the kind with the little turn knobs and no remote and you just crank the contrast to the left that's what it looks like yeah, I didn't even recognize it as day for night. That's how shitty it looked. Yeah. I was just like, oh, what's going on? Did they like just flub the fucking white balance entirely? Like to just like the apertures fucked on this thing or what? But they dropped then the camera. after a while, uh, there was like a scene where there were two strippers sitting in a bedroom and it's just blown out with sun coming in a window. And they're like talking about night and how they're going to go over tonight to the strip club to meet the cop. And I'm like, night? Wait, is this all supposed to be day for night? Is that what's happening here? And yeah, yeah it just dawned on me. But this also, the whole thing has this fucking like After Effects grindhouse filter. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. It's the worst. <laughs> Unbelievable. Just oh. eyeball torture. And they use it all the time in the beginning. And then at yeah. some point, he just gets just tired stops. of it. He stops using it. So it's not even consistent. It's just right. fucking terrible. And ah god correct yeah the last thing i want to say about like the way this is shot is uh focus in on this house party because it, it sure seems as if they didn't have any of these people in the same room at any given time like it's no. just these cuts of you know oh here's a here's a shot of these people against one wall here's a shot of these other people against another wall it's like Obviously, for no reason, they have this one uh, woman playing two twin strippers. Mm -hmm. uh, but so she's obviously uh, there's quote unquote camera tricks used to uh, put her in the same room twice. But literally, there uh, there's a couple. There's a couple. This Fred Durst uh, looking guy and uh, with his fucking jinkos covered in metal. Um he has a stripper girlfriend and then there is uh basically three other main uh women at this party and they're they're all shot straight on it cuts between them at no point are any of these groups of people featured in the same shot uh i i literally just and the audio changes drastically every time it cuts between one to the next so i just don't think any of these people were ever in the same room together no, there's no way. And God, 
why why did they need to have one person play twins? Why does this movie need twins? What does that do for anything? Probably because she was the best actor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say it's just like that fucking Coors Light mentality. I guess that's that's what pervades this film. Yeah, I guess. And then God, it's so you're looking at this, and it's just searing your eyeballs. No one can act, and the soundtrack. My God. It's so, it's just this weird mix of like shitty punk and shitty new metal. And it's just like, what does the director own every single record by like Zebrahead and Soulfly? And the year is 2010. He's trying to make everybody love this kind of trash music again. I, I don't fucking get <laughs> I feel it. It's just like a lot of their, a lot of like his friends' bands. Which, yeah. 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 There's, there's two bands that have like a, four tracks each. And then there's a bunch of other one offs, which you'll hear like some weird. Uh, blues riff for no reason. There's like one band earlier that sounds like Pantera knockoff, but the bulk of it is this band that sounds exactly like they're trying to make a, a Slipknot record, and there's mm -hmm. another band that sounds like they're trying to make like a Bad Religion record, and oh, it's yeah. just like they're over terrible. and over again. You're like fucking hell, I can't deal with this. And then the, the the piece de resistance of the music is is the middle where there's this insane fucking rap. About uh, oh, this guy's just going out about like tearing open Al Gore's chest and pissing in it. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. <laughs> and, he, and he like name drops a bunch of Minneapolis stuff in the rap too. So that's cool. We like that. <laughs> it's just mind boggling. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's really, really weird. It's like Minneapolis is cold. Gonna piss in Al Gore's chest hole. <laughs> <laughs> We haven't even touched on the biggest problem with this movie, which is the fucking dialogue. Holy fucking oh, shit, boy. the dialogue. I, I I feel like I'll never be the same again, man. It's just so fucking disgusting and puerile. It's just, what the yeah. fuck? I, I wish there was like, like, a, like a, I don't know, uh, just a series of scientific tests hooked up to me, like an EKG at a, at a, at a fucking, I don't even know, some other brain tests to just measure my body's reaction to that beautiful day for night scene <laughs> towards, I guess it'd be towards the end where the two fat guys are walking down the street uh, talking about the joys of putting it in someone's butthole and then dumping her because she let you put it in her butthole. Yeah, it's yeah. really great stuff. Yeah. That, yeah, I, yeah. I, my entire insides just melted away and I died on my couch. It's good. I think that the one that got me the worst, uh, it's one of the most disgusting things I've ever seen in any movie is when the uh, the woman who's playing the twins, the second time she's murdered, uh, she is in a drugged out haze poolside and the, the murderer comes up to her and he's she's hallucinating that he's the Fred Durst guy who apparently has a giant cock and he's swinging mm -hmm. around this uh, machete and she thinks it's a dick and she keeps going like, stick it deep inside me. And and she says, you've got me wetter than a slaughterhouse floor. At which point he, he inserts the machete and it makes like this fucking like, it's like they pulled fuck noises out. It's just like, I'm like, ah, oh, macaroni God. in a pot, baby. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Great stuff. Absolutely love it. But uh, yeah, just um, 
channeling like imagine if someone tried to write like Tarantino dialogue but also last week they got kicked out of a Coyote Ugly bar for punching the jukebox like that's that's what we're dealing with here yeah I think like 50% of the uh, 50% of the words of this script are are pink and or stink yeah uh, that there's another part too where like a guy this there's this long drawn drawn out sequence where they're at the strip club even though the strip club is closed and there's a guy there who's a weed dealer or something and the, the girl wants weed and he doesn't have any so he's like give me a lap dance and she's like all right but no touching and he just goes mm, but daddy want to get his pinky stinky he's <laughs> like fuck you man oh. <laughs> So this yeah. character comes back at the end of the movie after the action has concluded and our final girl has bested uh, the Leatherface analog. And uh, this this guy who got the lap dance just shows up and he, he inexplicably <laughs> just chloroforms the final girl and throws her in his trunk. Does this movie need to be more disgusting? <laughs> yeah, that's that's good too. We love it. We love it. All while, like, some butt rocks playing in the background. Some nice crunchy riffs. Although, I think I think when she when she walks out of the strip club at the end as the final girl, they actually play some, like, it's it's a one-off song. It's still, like, butt metal, but it's it's with a woman singer. And yeah. the, the lyrics are just like, I am a girl and I'm alive. While just, like, the, the riff from, like, Adidas by Korn is being played. Very cool shit. Just big time Evanescence vibes coming out of this whole movie. <laughs> I man, I don't even fucking. I th there's nothing to say about this. It, it's just wretched. It's it's. If my goal was to find the most charmless film imaginable, then boy did I fucking succeed. Yeah, holy shit. It. I don't know if it's if it's I mean it's bad from a technical standpoint too. Don't get me wrong. I don't know if it's the worst thing we've ever seen, but it's probably top three, definitely top five. It's it's bad, and a, a lot of its badness is because it is utterly charmless and just just gross. It's filthy, um, which I'm sure the director would be like, "Oh, that's what I was going for," and then he'd adjust his wallet chain. Coleman, what was your favorite part of this film? Uh, the time, <laughs> the time of my life before I saw it. Oh, that's a good answer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's hard. Have, to, is there anything we missed know, here? I guess maybe the decapitation scene got a slight chuckle out of me, and that's about it. Oh yeah, because her hands are like ah, but her head's on the ground, and yeah. she's kind of being a dick anyway. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, she's the real villain. That bitch. She was, because she was like, let's do cool lesbian stuff. And the lead girl's just like, I don't want to. She's like, you never want to do cool lesbian stuff. She got her head chopped off. That's what happens, man. Yeah, cool. yeah. Uh, Jesus, this movie. I, I want to forget that it exists, frankly. But uh, I I don't know. It's hard to put up against some of the very worst stuff we've we've seen because it does have, it's not like, perplexing in the same way as something like the spy who boned us or the pinchy code yeah. or stuff of that nature. Yeah. Like I, I was never disoriented. It's very straightforward. It, yeah. <laughs> it is very straightforward, but it's also abysmally made. And again, it, it's, it, it may be the worst script ever written. I'll say that. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's certainly morally repugnant. I don't know. I guess, yeah, the pinchy code is more just head spinning and, 
my number one still remains the spy who boned us simply because i mean it's inept on every single level but also it's like oh here's the racist part here's the transphobic part they just like go through the greatest hits of being a pile of shit uh it never gets to like spread butthole levels of weirdness or the the level of extreme like misogyny dialogue going on here um, and I've heard some shit. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to have my, my fucking jimmies ruffled by just about anything, but this is like, oh, it's, it's just pointless and utterly devoid of charm and boah, yeah. Trash, absolute trash. So a 10 out of 10 for you, right, Steve Coleman? Yeah, on the trash scale, absolutely. <laughs> I, I think well, it, it manages to get like a rung above the very worst solely because of Winku. Like that, I mean, mm-hmm. you don't see anything as entertaining as that insane uh, detective outburst in the in the police station in something like Spy Who Boned Us. Like that, yeah. there's there's this one moment where this random veteran lunatic actor they they happen to pull in just kind of gives it just enough, just enough to scrape uh, above the very 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 worst things we've seen. But it, it's deserving of a place on our. Uh, our season one Mount Rushmore, I'll say that, because holy shit, this yeah. thing fucking wretched. It's uh, it's awful. It's really awful. Wouldn't I recommend this for... There's no value. <laughs> Zero value at all. But, again, we like to look at um, yeah, you know, some alternate opinions out there, so I tried my very best to find a <laughs> positive review, and um, I, I don't know if... I couldn't really find one, uh, but then one popped up yesterday. <laughs> Last minute clutch move, uh, thanks to Amazon user Tony Kelts, who oh, gave very a positive, positive review. Two, but star <laughs> two stars, two stars. <laughs> so his two star review says it is funny. That's the headline. Okay, Tony, <laughs> sure. Uh, Tony says free movie. Period. Strippers. Period. A killer on the loose. Period. It's a trashy movie, but it is entertaining. Someone only gave it a one star. I thought it was a two star effort. Not for kids! <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Tony. But if we are going to talk about great reviews, um, you know, look at the place where this movie was shot, which is the Border Lounge in Hager City, a lovely gentleman's club in the wild, wild outskirts of Wisconsin. And uh, some great reviews for the Border Lounge. Um... <laughs> Such as this one from Candace Taylor, which says, I would not recommend. They attack my 27-year vet boyfriend who did nothing. They just protect the locals. So disappointed. Would not recommend. So uh, the Border Lounge not respecting the troops. That's hard to hear. Um, (laughs) Kenny Mayfield says, I used to enjoy the fast service. Misty takes forever. Claire, I miss you. Uh... Um, there's another one too that I really liked. Oh, there's, there's one five-star review that just says girls are smooth. Uh, and then there's a zero-star review from Bradley DeVries that says just passing by dot, dot, dot. I don't know what that means. Uh, but my favorite from around the time that this movie was released, June, 2010, a one-star review from Shelly P who says, not sure this place is closed, but it should be. Nothing but scum. Fully nude lounge. Reeks of prostitution. Dank, dark, smelly place. 
Just a matter of time before the police finally close this place down for being a whorehouse in disguise. Sounds like Fungus the Bogeyman to me. Um, yeah, so the Border Lounge in Hager City. If you're going to go on your strip club slasher or your caustic content uh, film location tour, add this one. Put a little push pin in your map and check it out. I think it could, you could probably do a, a pretty good run, right? Like if, if you went to uh, just like Wisconsin, Minnesota border by Minneapolis, you could go to several locations from films that we've watched, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. You, you could visit uh, our Doug old Phillips friend, spots. Doug Phillips. Uh, you, you'd have a good time. Have a good time. Yeah, it's an option. So add Hager City. Uh, I know the next time me and Coleman make a trip out to Minneapolis, we're going to be stopping by. Uh, they have a, a $1 beer happy hour special from like 4 to 6 p.m. So, Coleman, you ready to crush some spotted cow in Hager City? Yeah, and get a, get a rail shot in a plastic cup. Love it. Absolutely love it. A little bit of the rail gin. Maybe we'll see some of the stars from this film, who I'm guessing were workers at the Border Lounge. And I can say, hey, I saw your butthole on Amazon. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> uh, again, those are not characters that's in this how movie, I usually by the way. People. That, that's, that's another thing to mention is, is that the, the hardcore scene, these are not people in the movie even. They just fucking show well, up for two sex scenes and exit. Or even like the hardcore scene, the actual acts are so heavily stimulated. Like, she's... I don't know. It's not even worth talking about, actually. Just fuck it. I don't care. God. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's probably technically not hardcore because I think the designation would be penetration. But, uh, you know, it's either way more graphic than you'll see in your average softcore. It's somewhere in if the middle. If I see someone's butthole, I think it's hardcore. Is it at least like medium core? Oh, well, What's I, the middle I core? I definitely think it's hardcore in its presentation. But then when they get to the actual act, like her head's just like between her knees, like nowhere near... Uh, yeah, uh, it's I don't know. It's grandma's a, quilt instead a, of the vagina. We are uh, splitting maybe hairs. I, I, maybe I imagined that. <laughs> maybe that's what I wanted it <laughs> to be. That's what you're hoping. Uh, uh, before we wrap on this, I, I do want to get into uh, the writer, Joe Netter. Uh, I'd like to read you guys a description of his uh, his novel because he's got a fucking novel. Because why the got fuck a novel? Not? Ooh. Uh, here, here he is featured on Goodreads. Uh, the description goes as follows. Uh, Foley is a happily married, loving husband, a great father to a young daughter. He only has one small vice that he keeps hidden from all that know him. Pornography. While surfing mm -hmm. through some porn sites, he comes across an ad for a movie being filmed in his hometown. The film's titled Goth Bukaki, and it's being filmed <laughs> in a cemetery a few miles from his house. While he would never dream of cheating on his wife, he begins to wonder what really constitutes cheating. Surely it isn't cheating if you don't actually touch the other person. He's dead wrong. Zombie Bukaki follows Foley on a journey to hell, where not only does he have to deal with his own guilt, but he also encounters hordes of zombies, a cannibal cult that has been waiting for the day the dead rise, and countless other people along the way. At the end, you must ask yourself one question. Are you dying to get off? So, yeah, check out uh, Zombie Bukake. Fuck this guy. Zombie Bukake. We love it, <laughs> folks. Oh, yeah. Well, and this guy, he um, he married the lead blonde actress, and he's a, he's a real L.A. star now. Moved from Minneapolis to Los Angeles. Can you imagine? Because, I mean, she's like a working actress. I don't think he's done anything in a while. So 
Um, imagine bankrolling this scumbag's lifestyle. How fun does that sound? <laughs> All right. Well, I guess uh, I guess we should probably wrap this up then. I think I think we've we've gotten through just about everything. Uh, Coleman has been fully demoralized. He's not feeling good. Um, so I, I'm going to go ahead and say that these these are both atrocities. Um, oh, yeah, there's nothing sure. there's nothing curious about uh, like there's there's nothing compelling. There's nothing compelling about Fungus the Bogeyman. Okay. It's it's not the worst thing we've ever watched by a country mile, but it's not good. And no, there's nothing about this movie that makes me go, "Wow, there's something here," because there's nothing here. It's just it's it's a shitty kids movie. Who cares? Uh, but that being said, there is a clear super atrocity in our midst, <laughs> and it is in fact strip club slasher. So uh, that's where my vote's going. Myros, where's yours going? Uh, you'll be unsurprised to, to see that I agree with you. I, I, we, uh, we don't need our tiebreaker this week because uh, this, this is one of the greatest atrocities ever committed to film, I'd say. Uh, strip Club Slasher. Fuck this movie. Not good. Uh, Coleman, you, you want to just weigh in? I, I'm curious what you think. <laughs> it does not deserve to exist. Fuck this movie. Fuck you, Joe Netter. I hope you listen to this podcast and I... You're probably thinking like, oh, this is great. This is the reaction you want. But no, fuck you. Come and defend this piece of shit. Yeah. We're going to Fahrenheit 451 your fucking book, man. I think you like high confrontation. That's why I'm suddenly getting hyper. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not some group of, of prudes. I, I can handle about anything you put on film, but this is fucking terrible, yeah. man. We did it's an entire podcast dedicated to the film The Sinful Dwarf. On Optimism Vaccine. Google that. Optimism oh, yeah. Vaccine Sinful Dwarf Podcast. You look that up. We'll talk about some buttholes. It's, it's you know, <laughs> sure. we, we like horror. We like exploitation. This is just, it's not good. It's terrible, yeah, it's not, man. It's not too extreme for me. It's just too extremely shitty. It's, it's fucking the most juvenile shit imaginable. I just, yeah, it, um... Like, I felt like I had to do a goodwill check on the cast of this film after I watched it. And I'm severely concerned about how this film's going to affect my, uh, um, well, search history. Just any of my uh, diagnostics online. Like, I've, my life is over. Yep. Can't run for Congress now, buddy. Sorry. Yeah. We're not giving uh, director Jason Stevenson enough credit, but I feel like Netter's the real brains behind this fucking nightmare. And, uh, you know, yeah. normally we always have an open offer to any filmmakers who'd like to join us in a future episode. But uh, Stevenson and Netter, no thank you. Please do not reach out. <laughs> no, not interested. Sorry, boys. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, <clears throat> if you enjoyed the podcast today, uh, do us a big favor. Check out the uh, description of the podcast that you are listening to right now. In that description, you will find a link. That link will take you to our iTunes page. Please, 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 if you are listening, give us a five-star written review. That written part is super important, too. You can just write, fuck Joe Netter or whatever. It doesn't have to be extensive, but that helps our visibility on iTunes, and the more visible we are on iTunes, the more we can do for you. Also, we have a Patreon for the entire Optimism Vaccine Network. Very exciting shit. Uh, there's a link to that Patreon also in the description. Times are tough. We realize that podcasting an expensive venture. But if you have uh, a couple extra bucks to throw us, that would be amazing. We'd really appreciate it. And for your valuable contribution, you will not leave empty-handed. Oh, no. You will have access to the entire Patreon backlog of Optimism Vaccine. 
uh, and cost of content for that matter. Uh, you will have all kinds of written articles that contributors have done over the years. Uh, old podcasts. We have entirely new series, special stuff that's Patreon only. It's all there, baby. So you can check it out just for a couple bucks a month. It's beautiful, really. Um, other than that, you can tweet at us if you got questions, comments, death threats, marriage proposals. Uh, if you, Joe Netter, you want to yell at us, uh, at Optimism Vaccine on Twitter. That's the place to find us. Or you can email us, optimismvaccine at gmail.com. And Adam Myros is standing by, hitting refresh on the inbox, because that is all he ever does. Uh, gentlemen, thank you for this wonderful episode. Myros, I'm looking forward to a, uh, a final showdown here to see who the winner is of season one. Uh, winner and I'm, I'm going to destroy you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to totally break Coleman when I find, like, Butthole Massacre 69 on fucking Amazon Prime. So... Coleman, are you excited? You've, you've got a huge challenge in front of you. you. How can you break what is already broken? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll see you next week.